You got into teaching for a reason. There are aspects of teaching you love, but the landscape of teaching and being an English teacher specifically is just getting more and more challenging. You want ways to stay in teaching, but for it to not be so hard. Maybe you've thought about leaving and that's distressing. You love your students, your content area. You love sharing your love of English with your students. So let's dig in. We'll discuss ways we can reduce some of what makes teaching stressful and amplify what we love. Welcome to Anti-Burnout for English Teachers. I'm Danielle Hicks, and I am your host. I will be in this podcast going over tips and strategies to avoid burnout. Being an English teacher is so tough, and we really need to join together and figure out ways that we can continue to build a great English classroom and also not feel depleted by the end of the year. So let's go. Teachers are leaving education and really great teachers. This has gotten me really distressed. I'm now my 15th year teaching and what I'm seeing is teachers that I started with or maybe started, I don't know, five years after that have just had enough or don't feel up to the challenges that we're currently faced with. And I think this is a huge problem because education needs us to stay, even if they don't act like they need us to stay. So what I'd like to get into today is what's gone wrong and offer some solutions and it's not going to be i don't know the same self-help uh work-life balance that we are normally given or we have been given in the past few years i think that has its place um i have some other strategies that i'd like to talk to you about before we get into that i want to talk to you first as an english teacher uh, about The Great Gatsby, and I promise I'll make this work. We'll get back to how this relates to the state of education right now. So The Great Gatsby. This is a commonly read book. It is a book that is read in high schools all across the country. And it has been for a very long time. When I first started teaching, I told my parents about what my curriculum was going to be, which included The Great Gatsby. And my father's comment was that I was going to be teaching the same books that he read when he was in high school, which, okay, that's another conversation for another time. But the point is that it is a book that is read very widely. So it it goes to say that a lot of the population should know the plot of The Great Gatsby. And one of the big takeaways that I get from The Great Gatsby is the idea of people living on the outside of society, feeling loneliness. There's a lot of shallow, shallowness to the story. 
and the people in it and people in a way trying to get at something that's more real but staying in the shallow but as a cultural phenomenon our understanding as a culture is that the great gatsby is equated with glitz glamour a hedonistic culture which is definitely there in jay's parties don't get me wrong that definitely happens but as a whole, if we talk about something being Gatsby-esque, I would say that it's more that first description. But as a culture, we reinforce that second idea, that glitz, that glamour, that hedonism. So that's in our media. It's on our other cultural displays. Like if we're going to have a Gatsby party, a prom theme, that's what we're drawing on. So in my opinion, we're just, as a culture, getting Gatsby wrong, which is so frustrating as an English teacher because we've, we all have read it, or not all of us, but a lot of us have read it, right? So we should have a different kind of understanding of what's there. Okay, so I see this as happening also as English teachers, we've done something similar in that we have created this existence that's built on three lies, at least. I, I think it's actually built on a lot of lies, but I'm going to start with three. So the first lie that I think has happened is that we've been told and we keep telling each other that quote, quote, good teachers are always actively engaged with their students. If you are um, a good teacher, you are on. You are one of those teachers that we see in movies that um, inspires their kids. They stand on desks. You know, that's the kind of teacher that is a good teacher. The second lie, I think, that we've been told is that we should not plan too far ahead. So, um... If you are a teacher that plans too far ahead, that means that you are not planning for your students that are in the classroom. And um, it's usually associated with teachers that are older, that are stale and stuck in their ways. And I think that's a lie that we've told each, each other. And that means that we are making it more difficult for ourselves. We're making it a place that makes it hard for us to stay and stay energized. The third lie, I think, is that we tell ourselves because we are English teachers, we must work twice as long as other teachers. Okay, so I've laid out these three and I think that there is some truth to all of these. But also there is a lot that makes it so that we feel more burnt out than other disciplines. You're not going to see a math teacher say, I need to work an additional 40 hours a week in order to get my job done. Okay, so I'm going to go back through these, these different lies that we've told each other. So that first one, good teachers are always actively engaged with their students. Okay, 
So the, as I said, this is what the media has shown to us. This is what we, and, and a lot of our, um, our teacher books, our professional development, that is the story that we're told that to be, really be on, to really be excellent, you should be one of those teachers that is always inspiring their kids. Every single minute, every single second, you are doing something that is inspiring for them. This is impossible. I think it's impossible. Maybe there are teachers that can do this. I cannot. But I think that this means a couple things if we if we say that this is what good teachers are. For one, that is tiring. It is a tiring existence to always be on. It means that we do not have time or we don't have the energy for our families. We come home, we're depleted, and then we are resentful because we aren't able to give the attention that we need to our children or to our spouses or even just to not, even if we're, we don't have a family, even if we're just wanting to not veg out on the couch, we want to work out, we don't have the energy to do that. And I think also this means that we do not give ourselves the time that we need to do those tasks that are uniquely given to English teachers. I do agree that English teachers do have a different load. So that means that we need to address our classrooms differently, which means that maybe, maybe, and I'm going to say actually definitely, during some times when we might structure class in a way to make it so that we can get some grading done, so that we can enter some grades, so that we can respond to some revisions, that we might be able to um, have a conference, so that we can take care of an email, so that we can do some things while students are working. They shouldn't need us every minute of the class. Now, okay, you may be thinking what I just thought to myself as well, that we may say things over and over to a student and they just don't get it. So they need to, they need to hear it from us lots of times. So in that way, they do continue to need us, but we need to set up structures so that they don't necessarily have to go to us in person all the time. We, of course, want to be there for our students, but maybe what we send them to is a video or maybe what we send them to is a handout. So we have opened up some space for ourselves so that we can take care of some other things because we've already attended to the students in different ways. We're still available if they have questions and we'll check in with them. But we have to have time also during class, since we have those other tasks as English teachers, to attend to those specific English teacher tasks. Okay, so that's, that's one thing. The idea that good teachers are always actively engaged with their students during class. Always. I think that's a lie. The second thing that I think is a lie, and this might actually be the biggest lie, 
so this lie is we should not plan too far ahead. And as a young teacher, I was told, and I think a lot of us are told, because I've checked in with many of my colleagues on this, that if we plan too far in advance, that makes us a bad teacher. And I did a little bit of Googling as well um, to see what the advice was for how far in advance you should plan. And the advice is don't plan too far ahead. And I think this is this has good intentions. The intentions are from a good place because I think what you want to avoid as you're planning is getting to a place where you feel so locked into an idea that if something goes wrong or if students are in a place in a different place than what you thought you're able to adjust and what goes wrong is if you are rigid in your plans and you say well I've already planned this I've already spent all this time on this this is where we're going and you're not paying attention to the students in the room I personally would prefer to have a plan and then need to deviate from it than to not have a plan. And I think what goes wrong here is by thinking I need to know my students well before I can make a plan, that gets us into some territory that's really dangerous because by not having a plan, that means that we have to make decisions all the time. We have to make decisions about content. We need to make decisions about skill. We need to make decisions about differentiation. Um, And because of all those decisions, that's tiring. That's a tiring place to be. So I think what we need to think about is maybe that's a lie. I think definitely it's a lie. I think, and I'll get more into this as we go on, But I think it's actually important that we have a pretty strong plan of where we're going and maybe even a pretty detailed plan of where we're going. Not that we won't make adjustments because we can and we will. We'll have to. They'll get we'll have that pep rally that just came up and we didn't know about. So we have 30 minutes instead of the hour and a half that we thought we would. We have a historic snowstorm and we're out of school for two weeks all of those things happen and we need to adjust for them but I think having a plan and then knowing that we can adjust it to our students and to the things that happen in life that's important if we thought about this from a business perspective if a business said Um, okay, instead of making a business plan for the next year, I think we should just plan for the next week and see how that goes. You can't do that. You can't do that in business. And we have, I don't know, 150, maybe 175 students that we are trying to get on our train. We can't just make it up on the fly. And even if we're making it in four-week increments and eight-week increments, we need to know where we're going so that we can have something be cohesive and also so that we can save ourselves, as I said before, that mental stress of having to piece everything together as we go. 
if we have a plan for how everything goes together, that's going to lead to so much more mental clarity as we move and also lead to so much more opportunities for connections, for stability, for all kinds of things if we just know more clearly where we're going. The third lie is, and this one's hard, right? Because we teach English, we must work twice as long as other teachers. Maybe for you, it's not twice as long. But I do know teachers that have been teaching for 20, 25, 30 years that still work 80-hour weeks because they feel like they need to put all the comments on the papers. They need to plan in certain ways. They need to make copies. They need to do all of those tasks that go along with English teaching. And we feel like if we do that, because we have a bit of a martyr um, personality as a discipline, as a department. So we end up spending so much of our lives in work. And we talk about work-life balance, right? We've been talking about that a lot for the last few years. But we also think as English teachers that in some ways that doesn't apply to us, that we can't make that work-life balance work in the same way as other disciplines can. And I do agree to an extent, but I think that we need to reframe the discussion here because what if, what if, what if? We said that instead of spending 40 hours outside of work, we say we're going to spend 20. Or instead of 20, we're going to spend 10. Instead of 10, we're going to spend 5. Or maybe we're not going to spend time outside of work. What would need to happen in our lives for that to be able to happen? How would we need to plan our year? What changes would we have to make in order to make that happen? And I think those are the discussions that we need to have, really. Because it isn't, if we're going to keep people in the profession, if we're going to keep these great English teachers teaching, we need to do things differently. Because as much yoga as we do, as many, um, you know, teacher appreciation treats as we get, it doesn't really make that much of a dent in the fact that if we are spending a significant amount of time outside of school on school, it will lead to those feelings of resentment, of like, why am I spending my time this way? I could have another job where this didn't happen. So if this is going to work, we need to think about our lives differently. So we need to think about 
what could we change if this were to happen? So just think it through. What would need to happen? And try not to think about this sarcastically. Think about what's within your control. If you were to have all of your work done within school hours, what would need to happen? So we can't change what we can't change, right? We can't change the amount of meetings that we're called into. We can make suggestions, right? We can appeal to the higher ups, but let's just take that off the table. But what we can change is how we structure our classes so that we can say, okay, if I'm going to have an essay due on March 31st, I need to give myself in the lead up to March 31st and also the two weeks after March 31st, things that do not have a strong cognitive load on my teaching. Like I can't be on when I'm teaching because then I won't have the um, brain space to grade a lot of essays. Maybe that's a change that we make. Or maybe we say, what I'm going to do is follow up an intense literature unit with a media analysis unit that I will find fun and my students will find fun and I won't have to do so much work to keep them engaged. Because then maybe as they're working, I can spend some time doing some grading or in the other way, I will not feel so, you know, depleted at the end of the day. So I'll be able to spend a half hour after school gets out grading and I'll be more productive. So I think these are things that we need to think about. What do we have on our our control and what lies have we been told that we need to as a community need to figure out how to reverse because we tell each other these stories and even maybe now you're listening to me and you're like oh she's not a good teacher because these things that she's saying means that she's not a good teacher I hope not but I think that we need to really really think about this because the alternative is that we get burned out and we leave. And like I said at the top of the podcast, we can't have that because education needs us. So what do you think about the ideas I've laid out? I'd love to talk about this more. I plan to get more into this as we get into future episodes. But between now and then, Send me a message on Instagram at English Classroom Architect. I'd love to continue the conversation. And thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. I would love to send you a freebie. So what I've put together is a curriculum planner. It will allow you to keep track of all those ideas that you're having, the backwards planning that you're doing, the concepts that you're including, and also thinking about all of those little things that pop up, planning for that now over the summer and also through the year. You can grab that at English Classroom Architect forward slash planner. That will also get you signed up for my email where I'll be sending you additional 
tips and strategies, we will be able to get to know each other more. And I will love to see you there.